0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Nantech Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Kutris, and this is podcast number 39. We're still here speaking smartphones. Uh, Joining me is uh, Joshua Ho, our Senior Smartphone Editor. Hey, guys. And a new face on the podcast as well, Matt Humbrick, our new Smartphone Editor. Hello. Now, we just did our first half of the podcast on the iPhone launch. Uh, Joshua was there in a hall full of 7,000 people listening to Tim Cook explain the new iPhone and Sia
1: <laughs> just random a random concert at the end
0: oh don't, don't worry i i've been to samsung events in london
1: where they had will i am do a
0: 2 hour set after the event so the fact yeah, that sia. apple had S- sia and it was just one song i think you got the better end of the deal there
1: yeah i think so i don't i i don't, I don't watch the live stream because i'm too busy um and yeah. also the internet's not going to work for that in the hall I'm pretty sure they don't show the audience when this concert happens, because if you, if you were to actually look, there would be a whole wave of press trying to get up, pack, and trying to get out of the room as quickly as possible to go to the demo area, get the hands on. <laughs> I am not surprised. I am not surprised. But we covered the
0: iPhone event, and um, right there were a few more events that happened uh, throughout the week and over the past month that we also want to cover. Um, including having a look at some of the recent news that's also, uh, come to the attention, especially stuff that started, um, exploding and creating fires. Um, mm. which is a nice segue into saying, Josh, you reviewed the, uh,
1: Samsung Galaxy Note 7. Did yours blow up? Yes. So I don't know up. if it's blown up because I left it, I, for events in San Francisco, I, I come up to, um, my parents' house in Emeryville, and usually I leave all the review units in San Jose. So maybe the house is burned down, maybe it hasn't. I guess there's only one way to find <laughs> out. Um, but I to specific, because I was actually genuinely worried that I would come home and the house would be leveled, so I put it in the middle of a glass stove where on top there's a metal fume hood and to the side it's all granite. So unless, like, sparks... Fly at a 45 degree angle away from the phone. Um, hopefully the house doesn't burn down if it sets on fire. Don't worry. I was
0: sitting next to uh, Sasha Sagan from PC Mag, I think, during a ZTE briefing at IFA, and he had his on the desk, and I had one eye on the guy presenting and the other eye on his Note 7. I asked him afterwards whether he was going to
1: trade it in, and he hadn't decided yet. I don't know what to do for review units. I should probably contact Samsung to figure out. <laughs> but yeah, man, reviewing that phone was uh, that. I would say it's sort of like a return to normalcy, but at the same time, it's sort of like once you right. So, so here's sort of the problem I've been I've been dealing with is increasingly I've discovered that a week is really not enough to do a proper, great review that that I want to do. Right, but at the same time, it's what the readers want. It's also, you know, like, it pretty much, like, you have to be timely. You you are also, most of the time when a smartphone arrives
0: ahead of launch, you're lucky to get a week.
1: Right, so in this case, I got exactly six days. Um It showed up, I want to say, actually, it may not even be a full six days. I got it around, I want to say, 10, 11 a.m. Um, on August 10th, if I remember correctly. And the embargo was something like 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the 16th. Conveniently August 10th was uh my original jury duty date and I totally forgot about it but that's a different story for a different time.
0: <laughs> well, so with j- jury duty aside, um when you test a smartphone, you know, battery tests take at least 3 days when you're on the money. Um camera testing also means you have to retest a bunch of phones so you have right the it's same like images and that's It's like a,
1: it's like a day, at least a day optimistically. And-
0: and that, that, that's when you're focused on the ball
1: and you don't have anything else that needs to be done. I mean. Right. Nothing else is coming up. Nothing is wrong with the phone. Like that, that's if you're really lucky. Cause usually something isn't going to align and sort of, then you have to do fix ups.
0: I mean, just for clarification here, um, Josh is still in school and he currently we're in, you know, the summer break. So he has this time, you know, other things permitting. He has this time. Normally, if a release happens, say January, then you have to fit it in all between the schoolwork, or between your, right, exactly. of so, school work a week. So. so
1: last quarter, I had like, uh, circuits labs, and those were like once every three weeks, but, and so they're only three labs, and you're basically entirely graded on the content of those labs. And so if you don't finish the lab, you don't get everything done, you don't turn it in, then you basically just failed the class. So, and then, like, those labs take, like, 20 hours of straight work, um, even after you finish all the actual data collection, which itself is probably on the order of 20 hours. And this is a one-unit class, which means one hour a week. That's what they claim it is. Uh, it totally isn't. It's a complete lie. So,
0: excuses aside as to why this is Yes, school, exactly. Um, note 7. Give us a breakdown of what you thought.
1: So, I think it's a good phone overall, right? I get the sense that a lot of people think that I hate this phone. That's not true. I don't really hate it. What I do think is is that I think Samsung didn't do enough to prepare the Note 7 for sort of the late season competition, right? Because at launch and when the review dropped, it was the best phablet you could buy, bar none. But, We've already had one major launch, right? The iPhone 7 Plus. That's, that's a major competitor. And is it better? Is it, right? It's questionable. Um, I'm not sure yet. We'll have to see, but, and then also, you know, there's going to be, I don't know. So this is speculation. I guess the Pixel or Nexus phones, whatever they're going to be called, right? That's probably going to compete with the Note 7. Um, and then also the V20. The V20 just showed up. And that's really what I'm worried about. Um, as far as the buyer, if you're going to buy this season, do you buy the Note 7 or do you wait for something else? So the, um, I mean, Apple being its
0: own, um, sort of device and ecosystem, every one of the major fabric players, um, typically using Snapdragon 820. Um,
1: so, but that's not even true either, right? We're going to get Snapdragon 821 later and. Yeah. And in the U.S., right? So, so the 821—that's—it's a small number jump, but actually, there's a lot of, you know, like CPU errata fixes. There's there's more optimization. It it's not something that you can just write off easily. Um, there there are real benefits to it. The first device with the 821
0: is going to be the ZenFone 3 Deluxe, which is a 6.8 inch device. So that may be right. slightly out of.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's quite the same thing then. Um, um it's not in the same competition at least um i will say that when
0: i spoke to qualcomm at ifa they they told me that the snapdragon 820 was an soc primarily designed for virtual reality
1: okay so just to put that out there um right and there's the whole daydream thing that's uh, coming up so does it support daydream i don't i don't think it's daydream what's, compatible what's daydream for those of us uh, google who daydream know? is um Google's VR initiative, it uses Android and your smartphone, and I guess, like, um, headsets, sort of like cardboard, but better, to give you an immersive experience. Um, like, something better than cardboard, but not, like, HTC Vive.
0: Isn't that just Gear
1: VR? Yeah, it's kind of like Gear VR, but with the support of Google. So, you know, like, you can actually use YouTube and stuff. Oh, okay. So, it's an ecosystem, a set of APIs, a platform... Right. And also you're not limited to Samsung phones, right? Like yeah. every Android OEM is going to be making this. Um I did see a lot of VR headsets, efa, um
0: either standalone ones or ones that you just stick in a smartphone, so that makes sense. Right. But but anyway, back but back to Note 7. So I just want to give a spec rundown for anybody who hasn't seen the review. Um, There's going to be two separate devices, one's going to have Qualcomm Snapdragon 820, that's for mainly the US, and then the rest of the world is going to have the Exynos 8890, that's going to have Samsung's custom M1 or Mongoose cores. Um, Different GPUs, the Snapdragon version is going to have a Adreno 530, the Exynos is going to have the super high-end Mali T880, that's a 12 cluster design, Note 7 is going to have 4GB of LPDDR4, 64GB of UFS 2 storage. It's a 5.7-inch device at uh, 1440p. We have a Sony IMX260 rear 12-megapixel camera with OIS, uh, 1.4 micron pixels. It's going to have a 5-megapixel front camera. 3500 mAh battery, 2x2 AC, USB type C, you know, standard stuff you expect on a high-end smartphone.
1: Yeah, it has and- all the bells and whistles. Android six? Why not Android seven? Why not Nougat? Uh, I mean, it just wasn't ready, right? It launched before, like pretty much, like if it if it shows up right as the OS comes out to consumers, then then it's already too late, right? Like you're gonna have to wait a while for the update to happen, um, sort of be developed internally because Android Samsung has to do their own work on it.
0: Uh, Is that like with Samsung Knox and everything else? Right,
1: exactly. To integrate all these features, yeah, and
0: then it's then on top of that you're going to have carrier-specific integration.
1: Right, exactly. They want to do their own validation that may or may not catch anything. um, Add their own bloatware. Add their own support software that you know may or may not be any value. That that kind of thing. So, I encourage anybody who's interested in
0: Note 7 to go read Josh's Note 7 review. Um, but I do want to come strictly onto this, uh, battery issue because for those people who haven't been reading recently, Samsung's Note 7 has experienced, is it 35 separate fires due to battery? Right. Note that 7's was, phones? that
1: was reported cases by Samsung that they know of. Uh, 35 out of how many? Two million? Uh, I don't know. It's it's a big number, so it's a small incidence rate, but it's enough to to matter. So and so, what they said is they initially said we're looking into this,
0: and then within six hours they instituted a full global recall.
1: Yeah, they're like, oh
0: yeah, this is a big deal, which is interesting actually, because a couple of companies at IFA asked me and said, how do you think Samsung handled the recall? And I think to go from six hours to saying we acknowledge to full global recall it is a pretty swift decision.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good turnaround time. Um I think, really, they made the right call, right? Because, like, if your phone is known for, like, burning people's houses down, that that's a pretty, like... Yeah. That's really a dark mark on the reputation of a company, and... Sort of Samsung, this, this stuff is already in the wild, right? The mistake has already been made. You can't undo what's been done. Um, I, I, I heard that this is going to cost Samsung
0: about 900 million to a billion US and it, um, as it, as the issue was being happening and resolving, um, the stock price caused a value of Samsung to drop seven billion. But, right. this, Besides all that, the issue stems from the—is uh, it lithium ion or lithium polymer
1: battery? Right, um, it's lipo batteries. Yeah, so, so there's there's probably some kind of internal short that's happening. Um, I'm not sure of the exact reasons, but it it's happening.
2: So, are they recalling all Note sevens, or just so, you know some in a specific it, it, it's serial all, number range? Right
1: now, it's all. Um, it's not specific serial numbers.
2: So we're gonna see a lot of uh owned note 7s on the market right right exactly They're, um. they they
0: they are reaching out to people to say hey we know that you've bought one come and get it fixed come into our program um but j- 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 just to clarify lithium ion lithium and polymer batteries are actually difficult things to charge because of the way the internal battery chemistry works if you charge too quickly you could end up plating one of the electrodes or you reduce capacity or you reduce life cyclability. Um, there's a great video on YouTube by, uh, Dave from EV blog about charging, uh, lithium polymer and lithium ion batteries and what's the right way to do it and why, how they do it physically and to make sure that they have the maximum length of battery life and recyclability. But, as I understand, most of the fires were happening either during charging or you know just as it was quietly discharging. You know, not attached to anything. As you were saying, there could be a short right, somewhere. Right, but,
1: but charging charging exacerbates the problem, right? Yeah, it's more likely to happen if you're charging it because that's where charging. most of the cases. Right, most of the cases are the thing was charging, <laughs> and I dropped I just dropped the phone, and um, it got really hot, and then and then the fire starts. The fire rises. We didn't start the fire?
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so global recall, that means you
1: can't buy it right now, is that right? Uh, supposedly yes, but it's not, like, a formal recall, so it's not, like, illegal for a retailer to sell you the phone. Right. Um, but we expect that when they come back
0: onto the market, they will be fixed. Right. Um... Yeah, so the the Note 7 continues this fascination with curved displays. Um, yeah, I have to say I'm not a fan. Matt, have you experience with curved displays?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they look cool. Um, they don't serve any functional purpose. You know, even on on the edge displays, you know, where you can swipe in from the edge with their their different bars and things. I mean, those are useful, but you don't need an edge display for those and they work just fine on a flat display. I mean, um, do you ha- do you have issues with sort of like the extra
1: reflections and sort of weird viewing angle issues? Because that's, that's really what gets me. That and um, like you can't really use a good screen protector for it.
2: Yeah, the screen protector I could see is a definite issue. For me, I mean, yes, I do notice, you know, some of the optical distortions, but um, I just quickly, you know, adapt and I just ignore it. Like it just doesn't bother me. Right. Um, mainly because you know when i'm using it, i'm looking at it straight on you know if i'm tilting the phone or something that's when it you're you're going to really notice it um, so i could see it bothering some people for me personally it, it's not a big deal
1: okay
0: um i've never really used a curved display phone i mean aside from you know at a show and then deciding this is really weird why would i want this um i did see it IFA this week the uh new nubia uh, z11 which uses what they call a bezel-less display and i mean i took pictures with my camera and it doesn't really do it do it justice cuz it it's it feels bezel-less I mean, it looks bezel-less i mean you're looking at less than 0.1 mm bezel it's crazy so
1: so in that case is is it is the display still flat
0: that's that's the thing i don't think it is i think it is a slight curve but it's a curve enough to just adjust so that it looks Flat still. Okay. So is it an OLED display? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I didn't ask. I don't think it is. Um. I. I literally spent five minutes with it going. Ooh, look at the. Look at the. Look at the bezels. Um. I do actually have a video to upload of the guy speaking about it to me. Um, assuming the audio worked because it was in a massive hall, so couldn't hear anything. Um, I mean but... the
2: the the curved displays do seem to be popular. I mean my own anecdotal evidence of just as I'm out in the world looking at what kind of phones people are using, um, you know, you see a lot of Samsung phones and almost all of them that I see are curved display models. Is that just people buying the most premium model though?
1: Yeah. No, I think a lot of people like it. Okay, so the Z11 is LCD.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I I have this sort of weird unconfirmable theory that some people just buy the most premium device regardless because they want just the best smartphone, and if they want the best, if well you know if they're a Samsung fan they'll buy the most expensive Samsung one. If they're an iPhone fan, they buy the most they buy the most expensive iPhone. And we know people who buy the most expensive iPhone every time they come out. So is it. I mean, is that just why the curved displays are selling well?
2: Mm, I don't know. Yeah, Cause I think it's just because I'm, it's different.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are like, it's different, and also I, a lot of people are like, ooh, that looks pretty. So, hmm. like, really, it's design, I think, right? It's like a really cool design, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, liking that. Hmm. We'll see, we'll see. Um,
0: yeah, that's pretty much all we had down to speak about, you know, the Note 7 review. Um, yeah, I so... think
1: so I mean there there was obviously like stuff like you know I think the difference between the Exynos and Snapdragon variants that that's something that they have to fix cuz there's like user experience impacts right like right. I I've documented the the Snapdragon 820 variant just it stutters where places that it shouldn't right I don't think I've actually seen the the V20 stutter like this or the HTC 10 or, you know, like the OnePlus 3, but I don't have a ton of experience with it, so maybe it doesn't, is, uh, maybe it does stutter, but I just don't is, know about it. Is, is that just uh, a problem of when you're dual sourcing SOCs, you end up having to write two code bases? I think that may be part of it, um, but, you know, like they, it's sort of, it's on Samsung to sort of make sure these things don't happen, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there are a lot of people who say, okay, well, I don't see it, but, if people, you know, if you're used to an iPhone or if you were used to like Windows Phone 7 where things were perfectly smooth, you're going to notice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like there, there's also like a lot of people are saying, okay, well, why is there all this design criticism? First of all, <laughs> like the first thing is, is that I don't actually care about design that much, right? But wait, you're talking about hardware design, sort of like industrial design, right? Yeah. But, but this was something that Samsung, like, really pushed. They, we spent, like, multiple slides in the presentation before launch going over, yeah, this is a symmetrical design. You know, we've really focused on design for this phone, um, you know, like, the works. And then, and then I actually get the phone and I start looking closely and I'm like, okay, well, like, stuff just doesn't really look like it's, you know, like, there are things that clearly aren't symmetrical, right? and sort of like things are not necessarily lined up and so it's like if you're going to go through all the effort of talking about it like maybe you should really deliver on that promise so what does it feel, did it feel a bit rushed or yeah it sort of it it sort of felt like you know they were they were sort of marketing something that they didn't necessarily have um and then like the LGV like the LGV20 the if you look at sort of like the details it's actually in a lot of ways better than the Note 7 when it comes to a lot of this stuff like things are actually lined up there's no like weird asymmetries and and LG doesn't advertise design right they're just like okay this phone it's aluminum feels great looks great something right but it's like one slide and then they just skip right through it and they move on to like yeah this has the best sound yeah yeah. Well we'll 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 get
0: to the LG V twenty in a little bit. Right. Um in our list of topics to discuss. Um you and I were both at the launch for Honor eight. Yes. Um in San Francisco. This was um right in the middle of IFA, Uh Huawei's uh budget. IDF? IDF. IDF right. right. Uh, okay. Yeah, I had too many shows in such short time. But yeah, th- th- so Honor is Huawei's sort of low to mid Range it's for the brand,
1: brave. it's for the brave
0: it's, it's, the it's for the young it's it's for it's, the millennials, yeah, yes, it's for the young and the young at heart, right, okay, so to put this in perspective, when Apple launched a device, they invite seer onto the stage when Samsung launched a device, they invite will I am to do a two hour set after the event. honor invite David Beckham's son Brooklyn Beckham, who is seventeen. Um, to come on stage and s- essentially s- tell people how good the camera is and then give him a skateboard because
1: <laughs> it... <laughs> yeah I really you know like look i I think there may be like a cultural barrier here but it's i I find it really hard not to laugh when I see this stuff you know like you don't see it in the live blog necessarily because we're just not gonna Subject other people to it, but it's just hilarious for us to see it. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not. Um. I'm not blasting on.
0: Uh. Brooklyn Beckham because obviously they're paying him a fair amount of money just to, to stand on stage to and accept a skateboard. Um. But honor, the honor brand is has been that sort of low range millennial type. that that their, their whole shtick is low cost reasonable performance but what they were launching at the event in San Francisco was a sort of a a super mid mid high range phone it's they're completely encroaching onto Huawei's core business with this device the honor 8 yeah,
2: I think they've I think they're doing kind of a brand shift where like you said initially it was meant to be the the lower cost option to Huawei's main devices and now they're sort of shifting it as not necessarily lower cost but targeted to a different demographic you know the younger generation
0: the the younger yeah, generation see, who I has think, money i think
2: they keep they keep saying that but like to me
1: it comes off as like hello fellow kids <laughs> you know like yes. i too listen to rock band what are you doing today let's go skateboard sometime later this day it's, after school it, 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 it does make
0: you wonder just what is the average age of the marketing team coming up with this.
1: Um, but I mean, I mean, we're, well, we're just poking fun here, right? I, I don't think honor is necessarily a bad thing, but it's just really funny to see the launch events sometimes. Hey, wait, like, I, I think the... in Las Vegas at CES, like they had people on hoverboards and they were oh. like dancing. Like that was, that was how they started. And uh for for this event after they
0: launched the device uh everybody goes to the back to play with the devices and maybe there's some like drinks or burgers this time they just had jars filled with sweets that yeah it's the, the, the sort of things that the public don't see at these press events is interesting but you know so this device the Honor 8s that they launched it's a reasonably well spec phone i mean yeah, it's, actually it's pretty good, good hardware
2: it's basically the Huawei P9 in a different chassis.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's got a slightly lower resolution screen, I think. Um, does does yes.
2: it settle? Yeah. It's a 5.2-inch 1080p. So we've
0: got a 5.2-inch uh, 1080p. It's got Kirin 950, which is quad-arm Cortex-A72s and quad-arm Cortex-A53s. Um, Mali ta A eighty MP4. So this is, this is the SOC that Andre said at the beginning of the year was actually perhaps the best performing most efficient SOC out of all the major players
1: yeah actually i think it may even beat the apple a9 yeah um
0: so you know credit to high silicon and huawei's in-house silicon team for creating a really nice soc but here it is in the honor 8 um as uh, as we mentioned it's got you know dual rear cameras um, so the idea is that the, one of them is color, the other is black and white. Um, both of them are dual 12 megapixel. Um, but the idea is that with, with the black and white one, you can do contrast focusing, but you can also do funky things like bokeh and more professional
1: style photography. Uh, I think record- the big thing there is like sensitivity, right?
2: Right. Yeah, Better so- low light. Um, I haven't used the Honor 8 yet, but I've, I've used the uh, P9 camera quite a bit. And um, in normal mode, it's, it's capturing light with both cameras and then combining it post-processing to um, try and improve um, image quality. Um, the other thing you can do is, um, I forget what they call it now, but you can enable another mode where <clears throat> it uses the black-and-white camera to make a depth map. And then you can adjust the, uh, yes. not the focus, but, um, you can shift, uh, um, the bokeh. Your bokeh, um, after you've taken the picture. Um,
0: well, currently, uh, my wife is using my sample right now, um, and we just, we were in, we were in Berlin for a few days post, post EFA, and I was actually using it a fair bit, and it is kind of handy to do it post, because, yeah, you, know, you can obviously take a picture as it is and then cuz it stores all the image data with the picture, you can go into the gallery later and adjust as you feel necessary and then apply Instagram filters or whatever. So you want so to.
1: the the focus feature is it actually like my big issue with the M8 was that first of all the effect looks really fake and also it couldn't even like separate things properly like the depth map was not high enough resolution. Is that fixed with the Honor 8? Um, I don't know, because I don't have, um, experience of the, the original issue. I guess but like the P9 as well,
2: um, if you yeah, have the experience I, there, Matt. The P9 worked quite well. I didn't notice, okay. um, any,
0: any issues. And chances are it's the same software, just copied over.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, the hardware looks to be the same, so. Speaking of software, a motion UI. EMUI, um, yes. What, what, emotion does it
2: invoke in you, Josh? Uh,
1: you know, actually, so, I think I would be okay with it if it just didn't break so many core, like, how does Android work behaviors? Um, for, for,
0: for, me, the emotions are four, uh, le- many emotions of, are four letters and unsuitable for broadcast. <laughs> okay. Um, this is, so. I guess that's I, one
1: way of putting it.
0: It, well, okay. So I've been using the Mate 8 for most of the year, um, and how do you I, like the mate It's 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 just small things like being able to. So if you have your Gmail as your main email app, in a notifications bar, because the Gmail text is black and a notification pull down menu is black, unless you're on a pure white background, you can't read your emails. Oh, you nice. can't. You know, just a quick glance of who's emailed you and what the topics are. Um, changing the background, um, can be an issue. It, it is very proactive in kicking out apps from memory. So you also have to be proactive
1: about which ones you keep in memory. Yes, and you have to I've go noticed and... that too. Syncing, syncing breaks very often if you don't manage it yourself. I think this is because they expect every app developer to be like Chinese app developers that like, cause I know WeChat and most of these applications, they just, like, if you don't do something at the system level, they just run Wake Lock non-stop and destroy your battery. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's
0: a nice feature, but it does require some extra monitoring and management. So if you have, say, an app that requires it to be on all the time for in order for you to get notifications, so you have to go and manually select it to be not kicked out of memory. Um the Mate A itself actually has a very high default memory usage, um, and I'm not sure why. I'm not how, I'm not sure how it is on the Honor 8. Um, uh, EMUI EMUI tries to em- emulate iOS a lot, so one of the things that I like about my usage of Android is the fact that if I have an app that I use a lot, I need the ability to be able to put the app on every single home screen, so at, in exactly the same place, so it's always there where I need it. Can't do that with the MUI. Um, you only get one yeah, and the launcher spot per is different up. Yeah, right. And you can't use the Google Now launcher um, because of software. There's additional overhead when you try to invoke Google Now. I mean, even my um, my Cubot with its uh, quad arm Cortex A53s is faster at activating Google Now than the Mate Eight is. It's crazy. That sounds like a weird bug. Uh, I've been told that some of my issues have been fixed, um, except that because I'm using a review sample, my EMUI version doesn't update automatically. I have to actually go provide the IMEI number to Huawei <laughs> to get it to update. Um so, so some of my issues may have been fixed. But I I did I did ask Huawei, um, is are you ever gonna launch a non EMUI device just with you? Know, Stock Android or whatever you want like that. And they said no. Yeah, I no, wouldn't be they...
1: surprised because they want to differentiate. Yep.
0: Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, I told them, I told them that, okay, with so many devices trying to differentiate now, you've only got 30 seconds to try and capture the imagination of whoever's going to buy it. And you have a hundred different features on your phone. A, what's the best feature you're going to show them? And B, how many features actually go unused during the lifespan of the device? Things like you know, um, Huawei does light painting with their cameras now, where it's just like a long exposure with uh, amped up contrast and brightness. I suspect it's a lot more clever than that. But
1: yeah, so I mean, that the features that, like that, that. I don't think I really use it, but um... well, no. That the problem is for us as reviewers
0: trying to explain the feature, especially because I mean, I, I mean, this is this isn't necessarily an EMUI thing. This isn't necessarily an Honor thing, but. I will use the device for six months and still find new stuff I've never done with it before, and I may only ever use it once. This, But this is a quintessential problem with smartphones as a whole, rather than...
2: Yeah, My problem is that I forget the features there. So, like, um, on, the, on the iPhone with the, the force-sensitive display, um, like, I use one gesture uh, for the switching apps all the time. But I completely forget that you can, you know, press on an icon and get the short, quick, short I think shortcut. That, menu. But that stuff is like so way too
1: ingrained that. in your muscle memory, right? Like just immediately tap and right. then get into the next app as soon as you press the home button or, you know, switch. Uh, but I still, you know, like the stuff like the, if you press down on the keyboard, it becomes a trackpad. That's pretty awesome. I still like that a lot. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Great. Uh, mov- moving back on topic, um,
0: after, after little rants. Um, the, the Honor 8 um, it's a $400 device and you know the P9 and the Mate 8 are, are what? 499 So $549? Yeah it's is like $550 a, something like that. So this is a cheaper Kirin 950 um, high, high spec device um, d- which color did you get Josh? We got the blue. That, that blue, I really like that blue. That electric blue, yeah. if, that, or that is very nice. One of my favorite colors is electric blue, and that is the nice electric blue I like to see. It's like the Focus blue. RS blue. Yeah, pretty much. Um, unfortunately, I don't think the design, I, I mean, the design idea of the device is very typical Huawei. Um, can't get around that. Um, but the rear is so flat. I'm not sure whether it's trying to be iPhone-like or not. I'm so used these days to having my devices have a slightly curved rear so they fit well in the hand. You know, so it feels good in the hand. I uh, know, the Honor 8 to me doesn't feel that great in the hand. It caught you off guard? It's, I don't know, it just didn't, didn't, if it, I felt like if it had a slightly curved rear, I would like it more.
1: I don't think you can really do that with glass. I mean, you can like curve the edges, but it's not like a constant radius curve, you know? Like, the, like, Maybe like the problem a, is the glass. Yeah, but I see. I'm I'm mostly used to that because I I have to review so many phones with like glass backs. Yeah, I, I think the Galaxy S6 was especially brick-like, but other than that, I haven't had a ton of issues with glass back phones. I think stuff like the Honor Eight's okay, uh, but it does slide off of every table you set it on. <laughs> um, like seriously, seriously on it's, it's actively it tries to fall to its death, basically.
2: Yeah, for me, I was just going to say that my hands are so big that the palm of my hand never touches the back of the phone anyway.
1: I'm a small
0: guy, and I have that issue with the Honor 8. That's why I prefer a slightly curved rear. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, so with Honor 8, with Honor moving more into the sort of mid-high range, uh, Huawei is moving into the mid-low range with their new Nova brand, um, which they announced at IFA last week. Um I think yeah, that really was cute. like
1: the the 6P design, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it was... Um, I'm not going to go into everything about the Nova and the Nova Plus. Um, they actually gave me a couple of... Um, they gave me one of each uh, for testing. I'm not sure if we'll ever get around to it just because of our workloads recently. But yeah, it's... The fact that Honor are moving higher and Huawei are moving lower draws a very distinct parallel to anybody that follows the motherboard industry uh, on the PC side, because Asus used ASRock as their low-budget brand motherboards, and eventually they span out into separate companies, such that now Asus and ASRock both compete at the same price points for the same markets. So, unknown, projection in a few years... Honor is going to spin out as a separate company from Huawei, and they're going to both be doing high, medium, and low-range phones. You heard it here first. I don't know. Um, because, Because Huawei is so vertically integrated, that may be less of an issue. That may be... I don't know. It depends if Honor have a recognizable brand ID in certain markets to which Huawei doesn't. And if Millennials is that market... Then that's what they're gonna target. So, I don't know.
2: It's similar to what the auto industry did, like with Toyota. You know, they've got their, their premium brand. Do they do? I forget. Yeah, what Lexus, they, Lexus. And then they have their youth uh, brand called Scion. So they do Lexus, it's premium, right? Then there's Toyota proper, and then there's Scion for the you know youth-oriented market. So it seems like Huawei's kind of going. Scion doesn't direction. really exist in Europe, so.
1: Yeah, actually, I think in Japan it's like just all Toyota. But I guess there's also Lexus now. Like, they actually introduced Lexus to Japan. Well, the LFA. Yes. <laughs> that V10. So, uh, mo- uh, moving on
0: from the Honor 8, the V20. Perfect, perfect segue. <laughs> from, from, from cars into phones with, uh, valves and, uh, 20 pistons. No, okay, yes. so. LG V20, you, they, this, this launched the day before iPhone. Yes. You were there, um, you got to, you got to see. Now, the big thing with the LG V10 and V20 is the fact that there's not one screen, there's two screens.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of, that's one of the things, uh, and actually it's a pretty, pretty nice feature, actually. I think it's more functional than the Edge display.
0: So, the, the, two, the dual screen, it works by having your standard, 5.7 inch quad HD display in your phone, but then above, above that, there's another. I, I've got it listed down here as a 2.1 inch 160 by 1040 LCD. Is it actually a proper LCD with actual use, useful and utility? Or is it just. Because I remember so, the early,
1: the early V10, it was kind of meh. Uh, so it actually functions as like quick settings, uh, notifications, right? So, um, the icon, the notification icon will pop up in the notification drawer, but the full notification will read out in the second display. Um so you don't have to open the notification drawer to get to it. And then if you swipe on the screen, actually I have it right here right now. Um if you swipe on the screen over over at the at the second screen, uh you also get quick settings and you can set like a flashlight, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, that kind of thing. There's also like quick access for apps. Um I'm not sure if you can toggle it, but you can like easily access settings, that kind of thing. So it's I think it's pretty cool. Um is it like game changing? I don't know. Uh I'm I'm not so sure about that, but it's it's a nice feature. It's a product differentiator. Uh yeah, I think it is. Honestly though, I think this is what the G5 should have been. Like maybe make this smaller, but I think this is what it should have been.
0: Well, the, the, the V, V20 from a spec-wise, we're talking about Snapdragon 820 again, um, 4GB DRAM, 64GB storage, using
1: UFS 2.0. Actually, Display, it's UFS
0: 2.1. What's the difference?
1: Um, I'm not sure, I think it's some kind of security thing, but I, I, so I have a pre-production unit in front of me right now, and, uh, when I check the storage solution, it's actually, it's an SK Hynix, so it's no longer Samsung. Um, like it was for the G5, and it's using 3D NAND.
0: Okay, so that would be slightly more expensive. I mean, is it a pop?
1: Uh, it's a, so, it's a BGA. So, generally, NAND is not popped with the SoC. Uh, memory is, but, uh, the NAND is a separate die. Okay, okay. So, UFS 2.1, uh, using SK Hynix.
0: The displays we've gone over, it has, it's, V20
1: is another dual camera smartphone. Yeah. Explain, explain the dual cameras on this one. So, so it's like the G5 in the sense that and unlike the 7 plus where it's, you get better zoom. This is, you get wider field of view, like even wider than before. So it's like, like the opposite of zoom. I guess.
2: So you have wide angle yes, and super wide. Exactly.
1: Angle. It's wide and wider. Um, I think actually the, the camera's changed. Um I think it's IMX two ninety eight and IMX two one nine now. Um
2: yep. two different, different sensors. Yeah, same it, resolution. I, th-
1: I think it's same res, different sensors. And um the battery is removable and it still has like an an aluminum back cover. Um I think it's implemented very well here. Uh the G five was a little bit less so because of the modular thing. This this works great. I like it.
2: Does it still work like the G5?
1: Uh, it's sort of so. So you still press a button, but instead of like the whole bottom of the phone sliding out, you have um, a very thin aluminum back cover that flips out, and then it sort of just reveals the entire phone. Oh, so the
2: the whole back cover is removable.
1: Right. So it's sort of more like the HTC Sensation um, than the G5, but even the sensation is not quite right because um, it's not the whole cover of the phone that comes off. It's just the metal part. And it's not using the LG
0: G5's um, modular.
1: Right, so the modular system goes away.
0: Maybe that's going to be kept for G6 or whatever. Yeah, uh, you know, It'll
2: be interesting to see if that's going to be uh, exclusive to the G line or if they're just abandoning it entirely.
1: You know, honestly, I... Maybe maybe LG will change my mind next generation if they stick to it, but if the G5 is what we can expect, I think mm, it's probably best to go with sort of the V20 route of removable battery, but not modular.
0: Well, um, battery capacity, I've got listed down as 3200 milliamp hours. Right, 12.3 watt-hours. It's pretty respectable.
1: Um, Despite the fact it's got two displays to power. Right, so... I think maybe, maybe the, the efficiency, the, the volumetric efficiency is not as good as the Note 7, right? That's sort of the price you pay for a movable battery, but it's still, like, it's still pretty respectable. Um, it should be okay. And um, this is another device that we've talked about today with USB
0: Type-C. Um, yes. I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad that Type-C is being adopted. Dude, despite awesome. the fact, despite the fact that it's, type uh USB 2.0 type C. Oh, uh, is it? I'm not sure actually. That's what I we had to to list check. it listed down. But uh I've I've seen a number of devices you know type C but USB 2.0 speeds. Maybe maybe it's not such a big a bigger issue as I think it should. Yeah, see be. The, the
1: the the big problem right now is that like everything is shipping with USB 2.0 cables anyway, so you can't even use the feature if the controller supports it. Like yeah, the Note 7 and the HTC 10 are, are prime examples here. I mean, Don't get me wrong, I've actually replaced
0: all my micro-USB cables with reversible micro-USB cables, which is a thing, and you can get the cables for less than 10 bucks on Amazon. Did they work well? Yeah. I mean, okay. I, u- I, I only nice. use them to charge. I've no- never used them to transfer data over. But it means that I don't have to faff around trying to stick them in. Right, um, but yeah. So one of the other things with the V twenty is that it's the first device with uh,
1: Android seven with Android nougat. I've not yeah, used it. Tell me about it. It's uh, so it's faster, um, but I think Android N is not necessarily a huge upgrade from Android M. Like it's really subtle stuff that they're improving here. Um, so like stuff like OTA updates no longer take forever and destroy your battery. Um, updates from the Play Store no longer take forever, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, I think one of the big things was uh, the security enhancements too, which you're not right. necessarily going to see.
1: Right, exactly. So you're not going to see like that's that's stuff that's sort of beneath the surface. It's sort of like you know you you don't even realize that Google is changing things. And I guess maybe maybe that's for the best, right? Are we going to come out with the Android Seven review? Uh, I'm not actually sure yet. We'll see. We'll have to see if
0: uh, we get enough time to cover yeah, that th- between all the devices that we have as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's getting crazy in here. It kind of fits because I'm a little crazy, right? <laughs> a little. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll, we'll leave that up to listeners to
0: decide. Um, yes on the V on the V20. I noticed uh, on on our list of things to discuss, you've you've pointed out video recording features.
1: Yes, dude. This thing has, like, the craziest video application. Like, I don't really think anybody else has done this. I I think the V20 had this, but not anything else. So there's the ability to do a... You can set the gain. You can set the directivity. Like, you can sort of, like, adjust the stereo effect. You can turn wind noise on and off. Um, You can set, like, sort of a lower bound for sounds to pass through, right? So, like, really quiet background noise can get filtered out. You can also do, like, um, below a certain frequency, just cut all these frequencies. You can set the frequency response at the microphones for video recording. You can set, like, um, so you can set, in addition to resolution, you can set the bit bitrate. Uh, you can also set white balance focus, exposure compensation, um, sensor gain, and integration time. And you can also adjust, sort of like, whether you want it to be locked to specific exposure settings, or if you want it to automatically compensate. Um, there's, like, histograms for sort of metering the scene. Like, all kinds of, like, it's seriously the most comprehensive manual camera application I've ever seen. Like, LG should put this in everything. It's
2: great. Yeah, yeah it's like the videographer's phone.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Like, it's
0: awesome. And you're, you're, you're absolutely sure that what you've got there on your pre-production is going to be what's out? Yeah, I'm I mean, because they've,
1: they've already done most of this in the V10 before, right? But, right. like, I, I just didn't have any... That was a much lower-key launch, I think. Like, I didn't even uh go to a launch event or anything, and the phone, you know, like, it just sort of, sort of showed up on the market.
2: I was just going to say, video is definitely the big differentiator for the V-Line, and the flip side of that is that they specifically neutered video recording on the G-Line, so... The G5, yeah, that's, that's bad. The video recording is basically no better than a low mid range phone. Um, it basically sucks.
1: Yeah, I think that kind of artificial differentiation is a problem.
2: Yeah. I mean, they've deliberately held back the G5.
0: Well, Matt, aren't you test- testing out some Hasselblad
2: video camera? Yes, for the, for the, the Motorola Moto Z. Uh-huh. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that the, the Hasselblad True
0: Zoom camera module? Is that, that that doesn't have any sort of advanced video recording features like this.
2: Uh, no, that is its claim to fame is its 10x optical zoom.
0: Right. Um, okay.
2: But it's it still uses a smartphone uh, camera sensor um, and software. And, and but the software is still in you know, the same feature set as what you get on the regular Moto Z but yeah. obviously you get that 10x op- optical zoom which you know does make a huge difference
0: you see with, with with the with the V20 with all the with all the um you know filter and advanced video features
1: there's also like really good audio there's that whole quad DAC thing mm-hmm. oh quad DAC what do you mean by that so i when they say quad DAC i think what they really meant was we integrate the features from four other sort of codecs that they have into one, so it's like super high-end, I guess. But I assume
0: this is not all done in fixed functions. Some of it is done in um, programmable shaders
1: or something. Uh, I mean, a lot of this is just analog hardware. Okay, right? it's on the analog side. because So that's got... sort of like a dark art. Well,
0: when, when you've got all these filters in the video application, you know, dealing with high-pass and uh, low-band and what have you, I assume this is all done on the digital side not the analog side. Right, Therefore, so it's, audio it's...
1: processing is digital side, right? You do a DSP, but a lot of this stuff is like um sort of like how cleanly can you transmit the signal, right? What is your what is your output voltage on 3.5? I think they claim 2 volts um which which is really high. Like this is going to drive really high impedance headphones. Um, and also, stuff like really high dynamic range, really high signal-to-noise ratio. This is all analog side, um, and I think that's really what matters here. Uh, they advertise like 32-bit, whatever, I, that's that's pointless. Um, you only need like 16, 24 if you really want to push it. 32 is kind of just a marketing gimmick, but I think everything else, like this is still a really good audio device. It's it's
0: uh, I'm just surprised at how much of this could easily be implemented on other devices, you know, especially everything on the digital side. The last thing on our list of things to talk about in this half of the podcast is live blog adventures. Yeah. Now, so
1: the V20 event that was an interesting experiment. Um,
0: is this is this for- based of what I showed you on the Honor Eight event?
1: Yes, and so I decided to take that to its logical conclusion, which was let's bring a thirteen-inch iPad and just live block with that for everything, not just text, photos too. So everything.
0: So, so, so I I I would like to put a bit of history here. So when we do a live blog at Nantech, historically we typically have two people on site, um, one writing uh, directly into our into our content uh, system and another person taking photos typically with a DSLR sometimes with tethered capture sometimes not um so tethered capture puts the file directly into the uh, the the system the PC the laptop that we're using it then goes through some very minor you know color adjustments and then it gets uploaded and that's all essentially a manual process um now at the top of the year i started using my smartphone to take the pictures because um, the way our content system works is we can instantly say okay let's take a picture of what's on what's being shown and it will instantly get uploaded and depending on the wi-fi signal at the event or our data plan we can just stick in a six megapixel picture and it goes straight into our live blog now back at uh Mobile World Congress in February, I actually did one full live blog with just my smartphone um that was the the Sony press event, and I did that fully on a nexus six p uh However, it was fairly easy to do on a six p at the time because they weren't announcing anything. It's very easy to do a live blog where nothing gets announced um but typically the idea is that we have two people at once doing the live blog, one in pictures, one on text. And the, when you've got one person, it's very hard to do the whole thing, both of yes. those together. Quite. But you you took your iPad Pro <laughs> to yes. do both text and pictures.
1: Yes. What How are the lessons learned? The lessons learned are it's still incredibly obnoxious to take photos with an iPad, especially a 13-inch one. Wait, it's it's obnoxious... People watching you do it, or are you actually doing it? Like, when I take the photo, cause like someone, some poor guy is behind me, and they're trying to follow the presentation too, and suddenly this giant display is blocking their face, okay? <laughs> and also the camera's not even that good. Right? Well. It, the, the iPad Pro 13, it's like an 8 megapixel shared with the iPad Air 2, so it's not gonna be amazing. Um, one of
0: one of the things when doing pictures with a smartphone for a live blog is that I have to make sure I have a good seat.
1: Yeah, that's true because it's a very wide angle lens so you got to get close. Um and the other thing I discovered was uh, while text worked great, right? Cuz I can type as fast as I do with a razor blade that I for some reason am still using. Um when I'm typing and actually for typing I think it's better because because there's no trackpad, I can hold it closer to me and it's just it's more stable on my lap than a laptop in that regard. Um, even though I don't think they actually say you should try that, but I do it anyways because I'm because clearly I'm a rebel.
0: Um for for, for 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 me with the live blog, I still need a laptop with a physical keyboard. Um, just because I type faster with it. Right.
1: So, but but the iPad Pro is basically like a laptop with a physical keyboard, right? That it's that fast.
0: Well, okay. So I've done. I've used a two in one. I've used the Huawei MateBook, and because of the stand, I can't put it on my lap properly.
1: Right. So so the design of the smart keyboard is that what it's called? I don't know what it's called anymore. But the keyboard cover for the iPad Pro actually stands in your lap, like, no problem. There's no, like, pressure point. It's, like, well-distributed. You only get one angle, um, so, you know, like, you kind of have to just adapt to that angle, but it works great. Did did you have a table, or were you doing it on your lap? No, it was all on my lap. Yeah, this is all on
0: my lap. Now, you see, Matt, Matt, you haven't done a live blog with us yet, have you?
2: No, I've sat next to you while you did one (laughs) at MWC.
0: Yeah, this Wait, no, was, I have not done one. Yeah, uh, come, come MWC next year. Yes, even. Um, we'll get you live blogging and you can feel the difficulty, the passion, the, the woe, the, the thrill. thrill.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, the ecstasy. Yeah. The agony and ecstasy of live blogging at nontech.com Well, it well, when you're on your own, there's, um, yeah. Yes. How, so what I discovered was, here's the major flaw that kills it for, for iOS live blogs is, it's not just like the iPad, cause, cause then, if, if the issue is the iPad, you take out an iPhone and it's fine. The issue is, is that our CMS is not adapted to uploading multiple images with the same file name. It's going to overwrite the image if you do that. Right? Oh, is this,
0: is this the issue you had?
1: Yes, this is the issue I had. And I you can tell it's very obvious because <laughs> if you actually follow the live blog, there was one photo. There would be a bunch of photos, and then they would all become the same photo, right? <laughs> Josh, is is this just, is this just an iOS setting you forgot? No, I tried multiple times. To- I did like I seriously tried playing with it so many times to see if I could do something. It all comes out the same, and I think Ryan tried himself later and he discovered the same issue. Yeah, it's you're gonna have to move to Android. Yeah. So at, so that's actually exactly what I did for the Apple event was I moved to the HTC 10, um, which worked pretty well, but I had to, I, what I ended up having to do was because Apple and so many other people, they seem to love like, we're going to have this really black background and yep. we're going to have really bright white text. So I ended up having to do manual EV compensation to like negative two and a half or something like that most of the time oh. um, to get it to get it to meter properly. Because otherwise it wouldn't even focus properly with contrast. Right? Because everything is blown out. Well, it's it's it, it's funny how the
0: equipment that we take to these shows has evolved over the years. I mean, I no longer... Dude, it's all mobile now. I no longer take a DSLR to shows. Not only because my DSLR broke last year. Um, I think that's a pretty compelling reason, right? So so I, I just went, hey, can I now do it fully with a smartphone? And the answer is ninety five percent of it yes the the five percent I don't get are uh, if I'm turning up to event late so I can't really get any images from the back or I'm at a stand and I want a really really detailed high resolution picture to be able to you know go off later and you know detect right, the yeah I can't uh, I can't do it for that so I think at the AMD event during Intel's developer forum separate to the intel event. Um they had a motherboard on display and I couldn't really take that great pictures with a smartphone. Um but Ryan Ryan had his DSLR so we used that instead. But still, you know, for 95% of my photo taking, smartphone does it does it fine. A high-end smartphone.
1: Right, yeah, you don't you don't want to use like Nexus 5 necessarily.
0: Mm, yeah, or so. Nexus 4. Um we haven't touched on video taking that much yet. Um, I don't know how that's going to evolve on a non but <laughs> we may
1: need better audio equipment. I think I think really to launch videos on a non-tech, what we really need is like my face as much as possible. Maybe like a non-face. I don't know. I think a non-face would help, but I'm not sure he can help anymore. Yeah, well, Josh, I
0: think if we have a YouTube channel, I think we should get you presenting some of the videos. Yes, definitely. <laughs> we get Matt on there. It'll as be well. great. Um, so, I'm going to wrap up this part of the live blog here. Um, we haven't talked, we've focused mostly on smartphones. We've still got things like IFA and the PlayStation 4 announcements to cover. I'll probably go through those with uh, Ryan uh, later this week if I can. Um, but thank you guys uh, for being here, for talking about smartphones and everything to do with Apple and Honor and LG and Galaxy and I think we're done with smartphones for a little while now.
1: Q1? Yes. I think Q1 is going to be back up. Right. So once we, once we get into the holidays, the holidays, everyone kind of cools off and, uh, but as soon as the new year hits, it's, we're back in the swing of things. Uh, yeah. On the PC
0: side, it's going to be tough as well. Yeah. But thanks guys. Um, and thanks to everybody who's been listening. Uh, stay tuned for the next podcast. Thank you.